Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 47 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. This is also episode 20 in the daily podcast challenge adventure for the month of November 2021. And this is a double up in the day as yesterday's was precluded by sleep and came out earlier this morning. And here we are with the official daily episode. In this current arc, we have four episodes where we have been talking about concepts from positive intelligence and taking a spin around them, with them, through them, on them, to see how they might resonate and how we might draw on the strengths that we have, how we might notice the opportunities we have to engage with each other, with the world in a different way. And we've been looking at these pairings of what we might see as opposites, dichotomies, comparisons, but finding those common threads between them and seeing how we might break down those initial assessments, judgments, if you will, of how we might relate to a way of being, to a word, to a concept, to a behavior, and how there might be unexpected opportunities and gifts in there. So as I stated before, Positive Intelligence was originated by Shirzad Shamin, and you can find information there, linked to the website in the show notes. So let's launch in to today's discussion. So we're talking about the ways our operating systems show up, and we're noticing the benefits that exist within them, and we see how when taken too far, taken to the extremes, taken perhaps in a blinded state is the only way, the best way of being, they can be detrimental. They can, in most of the cases, lead to some disconnection. And they can actually cause the outcomes we're often trying to avoid, or they might prevent us from having the outcomes we're trying to create when we originate and first step into these various behaviors. So today we're going to be talking about the pairing of vigilant and vacant. And this one is so fascinating as well as I've shared with you. I have embraced and welcomed the alliterative components, but been open to that not being appropriate. Find the optimal comparison, but also am intrigued each and every time the word, the phrase, the concept presents itself as an of course moment. So let's begin with vigilant. Just think about that for a minute. Anytime we have a moment to think about a concept, to recognize a word, to see the reactions that we have, our reactors in our last episode as well. And then perhaps let's take it to a different space or a new version of that same space and see what we feel when we think of that word. Now, when I think about vigilance, I can see this sense of awareness. I think in the image that comes to mind is an owl, being attuned to all that's around, being able to swivel one's head and see all different perspectives, being alerted to danger in order to maintain safety. So there can be this security feeling that arises. 
and it feels expansive. It feels aware. There's this lightness, almost like those glowing yellow eyes of the owl, seeing that as illuminative of the world around me. That I can also feel vigilant become tight and fast, and it can mean that I have to see everything all the time, and anxious comes up as a feeling associated with that. So just seeing the different ways we can associate with it, and like anything, can be really helpful to be vigilant, to have someone who's vigilant on your behalf. Thinking about it in you know, times prior to now where you had someone on watch, but we took turns being the person on watch, so you weren't having to be on alert all the time for all the potential dangers around you. And the information there was also smaller in many ways. You were vigilant of your immediate surroundings versus presently when we are vigilant and aware of everything happening all across the world. I don't say everything because certainly there are things that fly under the radar, but we are being given information from all across the world, all hours of the day. And so that system of awareness of vigilance is on hyperdrive and that can be really exhausting. And that's where that tightness and that anxiousness comes in. So let's look at definitions of vigilant and see what comes up here. Carefully noticing problems or signs of danger. And again, at its baseline, that is a good thing. When you're traveling in a new place, being aware to what's happening, when you're with your children, right? being aware of what potential harm there could be, knowing we can't prevent it all, but having some idea, some vigilance can be absolutely useful. And seeing how that comes up for you. So where are you most vigilant? And is it in a hopeful way? Is it in a way of awareness, of engaging with and embracing the environment as a whole? Or is it from a fear and scarcity space that all of this is going to go wrong? It's potentially able to come and harm me and I have to be on the defensive. And I wonder if there's room in there. And we talk about being for the health of all things. And in this statement, carefully noticing problems or signs of danger. And I wonder... Is there an opportunity to frame it through the health? And what would happen if we were vigilant, carefully noticing the health all around us, seeing it where we might least expect it, looking at the tapestry of the world around us and seeing those most vibrant pieces, threads, fabrics that are available. What would happen if we were vigilant to the health? How might that feel different? And how might it mean we can be careful noticers? And in my programs, I often talk about being a master noticer, being the work in coaching and in gaining insight into our thoughts and our feelings and how they're driving our actions, just noticing, not changing much of anything directly, knowing that changes absolutely can happen. But if we simply allow noticing to be the most effective the primary work that we're doing. So being careful noticers of what? And signs of danger, again, can be a good thing. But if we're constantly looking for signs of danger, we might begin to see everything as potentially dangerous. And then we get more and more closed in and we have less and less of a chance of making any connections. We're suspicious. And our assumptions are not that others are doing their best. And absolutely, it's important to be aware, to be realistic, 
to notice intent and recognize impact and see the distinction and the differences between them, to call it out, to stand up for ourselves, to hold boundaries, all of those are healthy things. And there's also an opportunity to recognize when we are tuning in only to that which might be harmful. And if it then colors that tapestry as one of only possibly harm and only seeing the harm in anything that's around us versus seeing the health, however it may appear, sometimes small, sometimes minimal. And I'd offer that up. Can we be vigilant of signs of health? What would that look like? What would that feel like? And just remembering, alertly watchful. What an interesting combination. Alertly watchful. Not necessarily going after, interacting, or even resisting, rejecting, but just alertly watchful. Again, the follow-up of that sentence related to vigilant is especially to avoid danger. But what if we're alertly watchful, especially to embrace health? How would that be different in our lives? And again, I want to be clear that I'm not saying don't get clear with someone, don't ask questions, don't maybe ask first, get clarity, be mindful, whatever that is, that absolutely can offer you protection. I've been in spaces right where you might have an instinct and then you ignore it and you think, oh, right, it could have gone a different way had I listened to that gut instinct. And perhaps the next step through this, right, so being vigilant of health, being alertly watchful, especially to embrace health, is also seeing that partnership of both, right? That being alertly watchful to embrace health can also then cue us into when something actually is not of the health, shepherding the health, bringing us health, and when it might be a risk to us, a risk that would threaten our physical, emotional, spiritual, financial health, whatever that might be. So maybe there's space for both of those to exist, And if we can perhaps lead with that careful noticing signs of health, that it might feel and look different. We might actually gain more clarity on what truly falls in that category of danger. So I'd love to hear your experience as a master noticer and being vigilant of health. Now, the partner word we have today took a little time, took a little time to get there. And I went through a few different cycles and I had some different options. I was getting ready, kind of like yesterday, to abandon that alliterative hope and dream. And then I'm going to just put it out there with you. I put in words that start with B and I thought, I'll just scan the list. And if something jumps out at me and also right, scanning B words is a nice way to prepare for the holiday season. If Scrabble is on your to-do list, that if something stuck out, I would utilize it. And if not, I would go back to my list of perfectly acceptable antonyms for vigilant. And when I came across vacant, I thought, hmm, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think of it first line, but I'm willing to explore. And what a curious opportunity to see the distinction, to see where there are some overlap areas. And let's find out what this list of definitions brings us when we explore vacant. So we think about vigilant, it can feel like a very 
full space, an active space, this constant movement, a little bit of that agitation. And we're talking about being alertly watchful. So if we're thinking about it even in the positive way, there's a lot of energy being expended in that space. And we're constantly looking, alertly watchful. We're actively engaged. And so let's think about vacant for a moment. What do you think about? You might think about a vacant room, a vacant lot, a vacant house, a vacant expression. I think emptiness that is there. And so if we're vacant, and if we're vacant, we might not be paying as much attention. Right? So we're not operating this vigilant, expecting something to happen all the time. We're probably expecting nothing to happen or not even having an expectation. It's that whole step before any of this thought and worry comes in. And again, all of those examples of vacant, we would often think of as negative, less desirable, right? A vacant lot, a vacant home, a vacant expression. You feel like there's nothing there. There's no connection here. There's no purpose. Think of all those spaces. It's not fulfilling its destiny, be it the house, the land, the person with that vacant expression. And what do we also see in emptiness? Potential. We can see an empty canvas that's ready to be painted, an empty lot that can be created into something new. We can see an vacant or an empty expression where there's room for all feelings to make their way through and to illuminate, to illustrate that face, the body, the energy of that person. So let's see if there's some room in vacant to be welcoming, to be a space for creativity. And we know, we've talked about this, and even more so today, I shared a poem by Leslie Honore, and I will put her link in the show notes. And it is words, it is music, it is art, it is poetry, it is theater that makes the connection. So what if a vacant space is the potential room where creation is happening? What if we need a little more space than we allow ourselves to have? And it's interesting as I come down the list, abandon comes up with this, right? Abandoned house becomes vacant and that can be seen as neglect and lost potential, but it also can be the beginning of the next thing, the next addition, the next iteration of whatever was meant to be in that space. So let's walk through a few of the definitions for vacant. Not occupied by an incumbent possessor or officer. Now, we just finished watching, I think I shared in the earlier episode that we began Hamilton and we finished it tonight. So powerful. And thinking about what it means to run for office and when spaces become open, who and how are they going to be filled? Noticing the difference in those elections when there's direct competition or when there is an open seat and someone may just need to step into it. And there's Justin there, and stepping into the seat is no small task in any way, shape, or form. But just seeing what vacant seats, right, where something is vacant and not currently occupied, might leave room for something new to emerge, to claim that space. Being without content or occupant. And let's focus on the content piece. If you think about it as a blank page, a blank scroll, since we're in Hamilton Times, a blank document on your computer. It can feel like I'm behind. I should have more here by now. Or we can also take the frame of there's room for whatever comes through. 
I get to decide. I get to create. I get to form this concept, this creativity in this space. My ideas are going to contribute here. Because when the page is full, you might be an editor. You might be able to add or to modify, but there might not be room for your story to make it to the page. And when something is without content, when it is vacant, it can be actually a welcoming zone for you to make a contribution. Looking at this vacant, free from activity or work, look at that. In a season where it can feel so busy, in a time in the healthcare professions when there's so much short staffing that it can feel like you're picking up the slack for everyone, the busyness that we often honor, that we often attribute batches of honor to, but we also can see are the albatross, are the anchor, are contributors to burnout, being free from activity or work. What does that feel like if you just take a moment? Think, wow, if I had some vacancy there, if I had some vacancy and some time available to me, not obligated to anything, what would I do? And we'll automatically, if you're with me, go to the office space quote. What would you do with a million bucks? I would do nothing. (laughs) And you don't need a million dollars to do that. And we can finish the quote. But just think about what vacancy in your life might feel like. Where do you have it? Where might you be avoiding it because you think vacant is bad, right? Because it's bad and it's empty and it's wasted. How often does that word come up with it? How right now, if you thought about vacant, if you thought about vacant as a wide open beach, no agenda, no timepieces anywhere to measure, just free from activity and work, what would that be like? And where can you create that on the micro scale, on the daily And where might you infuse it on a grander scale for an increased length of time? Now here, another opportunity to explore vacant. Devoid of thought, reflection, or expression. That's that vacant expression we talked about. And we can, again, see that as problematic, as lacking any emotion or connection. But what about that attempt we all make in meditation to be free of thought. And what if we had some thought vacancy for a moment? Now, thoughts aren't bad, right? Thoughts are creating the world around us, really. And it's us agreeing to thoughts that create a lot of these social, tangible constructs we have around us. And we're likely not going to be free of thought, not having them not exist. But we can be free of believing the thoughts to be truth, to thinking the thoughts are us versus this thought experience that's happening. And what if in those fleeting moments, if you have had this meditative state or a moment of bliss, it's likely because there's no active thought taking you anywhere else outside of that moment. There may still be a thought there. The thought might be, this is where I'm meant to be. It's affirming that current experience for you. And so while being devoid of thought, or reflection, we could think about that if someone's not able to reflect on their behavior on a situation, perhaps that could be challenging or expression. And look at that one, thinking about all the assumptions we make based on the superficial appearance of another. And some of us, and we could think about the different social constructs around what our faces look like at rest, if you will, and we can be deemed unapproachable 
inaccessible, mean, whatever that would be, simply because we might not wear the socially acceptable jovial expression on our faces. And so seeing, too, what is there to learn to gain in a space that might be free of thought or expression? And let's think about it perhaps in a temporary way of being. We see vacant as not lived in or not put to use. Thinking about that one and noticing, can that can feel problematic and wasted comes up in that concept. But seeing too, there's potential in that. I feel this potential energy. Here is this house not lived in. Here's this land not put to use. Here's this idea right, that's awaiting implementation. And I see a lot of invitation in vacancy. And now I'm not saying assume ownership, right? Vacant house, just, oh, that's great. And you become a squatter and then take ownership of it. But see in the spaces around you that if something isn't being lived in, be that a space or an idea, if something's not being put to use, skills or resources, whatever it might be, how might you, in an appropriate and authentic way, engage in those spaces? What is it inviting you to do? And so as you dance between these two, being vigilant and vacant, which might you actually need more of? That might surprise you. Do you need more vigilance? Are you already pretty set on checking in, checking for danger, making sure everything is right and in a certain space that vigilance is present? Is there room for that vigilance to shift from always seeking to be on the defensive, prevent danger and attack, and instead tap into vigilance of the health and to be actively watchful of the good that's happening in the world around you? And how might that change the tone, change the experience, change the feeling in that space? Let's think about vacant and see where vacant is coming up for you. Is it places where you feel like you're not connecting, not paying attention, things are going to use and they're being wasted? Is that coming up for you and you think there's a lot of vacancy? I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I see all the potential that could be there and it's frustrating that it's not happening. Can we harness that? And can we accept some of those invitations of those vacancies and say, look at what could be here and I can be part of this. I can be a contributor. Can we also take a moment and look at the gifts of vacancy and see those times, spaces, and places that are free, where our minds, hearts, and bodies are free and open. They're not being obligated to any particular task. Can we see our spaces around us that might be ready for something to be formed, to be created, to be shaped in that zone? And can we see how we might benefit from intentionally holding that vacant space? Not rushing to build anything up on it, but knowing it's capable of housing our dreams and that we can bring them into being. So as we continue this exploration, recognizing the gifts and the benefits, recognizing when taken too far, what the challenges and limitations might be, seeing the ways in which we initially, instinctively, automatically engage with a word or way of being, 
noticing the biases we carry into that space, giving ourselves grace for having them, and then walking it back to see what opportunities might lie unexpectedly in these spaces. And as we consider where we are in this arc, we are on number five. We have four more of these pairings to explore together. We'll have a 10th episode of wrap up. And we can see here in this arc, we are working through that messy middle. And let's think about it as creatively painting our way through that messy middle, embracing the dialogue that emerges. And we can move toward the finish with a flourish. We can come over that arc and begin to see where we're going to coast and what that can offer for us. And as we continue this daily journey, I'd love to hear from you on what's coming up, what responses you have, which might resonate most significantly with you, what you'd like to hear more of. And we will be beginning through this osteopathic life and open enrollment group coaching program. We're going to setting that date officially with the timing of the holiday season coming up, but trusting that it will emerge in the perfect time. And if you'd like to know more and you'd like to explore more deeply these concepts with a group who also shares that interest, visit thisosteopathiclife.com and sign up for the newsletter and you'll be the first to know as all those details emerge. And in this meantime, I want to thank you for taking this journey with me, for welcoming this daily dose of this osteopathic life, for being patient through some of the timing of release, and for giving me the space to make it my own to walk this journey with you, to continue to learn, to hone, to optimize, and to always hold true to that core mission of being for the health of all things. We'll be back again tomorrow with the next episode. Check the show notes for links to some of the references from today. And as always, this is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.